0: Welcome to the At The Table podcast, a production of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. On this podcast, we aim to explore how church leaders can more effectively understand and utilize the voices of young single adults in their wards and stakes. You'll hear from experienced church leaders and young single adults about best practices, inspiring stories, and encouraging methods to help us all follow Jesus Christ together. I'm Jared Pearson, and I have the pleasure to be a co-host on The At The Table podcast. I'm currently in Provo, Utah, but I was born and raised in Livermore, California, right outside San Francisco, California. I ended up serving my mission in New Hampshire, uh, the New Hampshire-Manchester Mission, and some of my favorite things are playing pickleball, tennis, or staying inside, playing some board games, or reading books as well, and I'm just really excited to be part of this.
1: My name is Kami Castrillón. I'm originally from Colombia. I was born and raised there, and I moved to the United States when I was 16. I moved to the big city of New York, and that's where I joined the church. And then soon after, I served my mission in Riverside, California. Then after my mission, I moved to Utah, and I've been here ever since. I love dancing, especially salsa, hiking, baking. And I am thrilled to be
0: Welcome to the At The Table podcast. This is a debut podcast where we're going to discuss some important things having to do with YSAs and other people around the church and what new initiatives are going to happen. Specifically, we're going to follow some of the strengthening YSA principles that have been released by the church just recently. And here with us, we have a couple of new guests and we'll go ahead and let them introduce themselves.
2: Uh, My name is John. Um, I'm originally from New Jersey, but... I'm here in Utah, um, at the University of Utah.
3: I'm Mary, and I also live here in Utah. I, like John, go to the University of Utah. Lived here my whole life, aside from my mission in Alabama. Well, awesome, We're, we're happy to have you here. How long ago did you serve? I was there a little over two years ago, and I served in a little Spanish branch. Shout out to the Cahaba Spanish branch in Birmingham, Alabama. And then I served for 10 months on the campus at University of Alabama, as well as uh, serving in the family ward there. I would translate all of the sacrament meetings. And then, then I was called back to the Spanish branch to finish out the rest of my mission. So I got to know those two areas very well. They're very near and dear to my heart. That's awesome. John, did you serve a mission?
2: Yeah, I did. I actually served here in Utah, just up in Ogden. So
0: um,
1: I
2: didn't even know they needed missionaries here in Utah, but (laughs) I guess so. Um, Yeah, I was here about two years ago, and I loved it. So I just stayed. I just stayed here in Utah, and now I'm going to school. And so you're both at school here. So what are you both studying?
3: I'm studying strategic communications and Spanish. Big fan of communicating. Maybe that's why I'm here speaking on a podcast. <laughs> um,
2: my major is World Languages and Cultures um, for now. That's probably going to change. I don't know. But I've just always kind of had an interest in World Languages and Cultures, so that's what I'm doing right now.
1: That's that's cool that you guys served missions and that you loved that and you moved to Utah. And now that you're in, um, in a YSA ward and stakes um, here, can you tell us a little bit of your experience here and how you've collaborated with other YSAs and how you've seen that you've been able to lead?
3: Absolutely. I have done a lot within my ward um, specifically, but also within the institute. And I know institute classes look a lot different depending on where you are living, but basically just being able to gather with YSA has been hugely influential for my life, not just in the way that I've been supported, but in the way that I've been able to serve and connect with others around me. And that includes during COVID, um, during the time that we couldn't gather. I think that that time forced us to be really creative and to learn about what things really matter and what connection really is and how to make that time when you gather actually worthwhile. So various things that I've done in my ward, like being on the FHE committee um, to just plan activities with my ward or even sporting events. Um we have gotten my ward to be one of the most uh, well-attended out of the stake um, for all of our sporting events. We are absolutely terrible. We lose almost every game because we hardly get any playing time because for a nine-person volleyball game, you maybe get 30 seconds of play time so that everyone can have an opportunity. But... I have loved that opportunity to understand what matters most that our time together on this earth really has meaning and the time that I have personally to spend with those around me is so valuable, not based off of whether or not we win a game, but based off of whether or not I am able to take advantage of this life that God has given me and to really connect with the sons and daughters around me.
2: Um, for me personally, um, I think kind of, well, me and, me and Mary have had the opportunity to work together actually, um, a little bit and kind of like what she was saying, it's, um, being able to collaborate together, um, counsel together, um, and really just try to bring people closer to Christ, um, has given me obviously leadership opportunities. And I think it's been great to kind of learn about how to lead in a Christ-like way. Um, especially now, um, as a young single adult, I guess with other young single adults, it's, it's, um, there's obviously a lot of different things that we've done, um, and things that we've tried, but I think the most important thing for me personally that I've learned is just collaboration, kind of like what Mary was talking about.
0: So I've just noticed with both of your comments that a lot of the emphasis is on like gathering collaboration, like working with other people. Why would you say like, or how would you say that this collaboration or like gathering has affected you? Has gathering been the most important part of your experience or what has kind of come out of just gathering for you?
3: If I could reference a wonderful talk, well, speech given by Elizabeth Katie Stanton, actually, um, called A Solitude of Self. No. Wow, scratch that. It was Mary Wollstonecraft, and it was a book called A Vindication to the Rights of Women. This has got a wild background, okay, but hear me out. She speaks about agency, and she goes on to explain that as we are using our agency in life— it creates a better foundation to create love because when I am being my genuine self and I am using my agency the way that God has intended for me to do, I am then in my sincere true self that God has created me to be, and I'm in a better position to serve those around me in the way that they need to be served. So to explain this again, maybe better, (laughs) as we gain freedoms and rights, and of course this book was written way back talking about why, why women needed the rights to vote, various things like that. Um, She was really speaking to the point that God gave us agency so that we can we can be who we need to be. And when we do that, we become who others need us to be and they become who we need them to be. And that's God's plan. The way that I see it, when we collaborate with others, there are so many infinite possibilities of the way that I could speak to you and the ways that you could react to me. And that's using our agency. And when we do that, again, going back to um, Mary Wollstonecraft's point that we are then able to create love. To me, that's the point of life. That's why we're all here on the earth together at the same time instead of learning in our own individual path. That's a very philosophical way of explaining that I feel love and I feel joy and I find purpose in collaborating with those around me and being able to use my agency to be who God created me to be.
2: Yeah. I say, amen. So what Mary said, that was great. Um, I think going off of that for me, being able to gather with people and kind of like what you were saying, different personalities, different backgrounds, for example, on the, on the council where we serve, um, there's different people from different backgrounds, ethnicities and cultures, genders, right? Whatever it is. And us being able to come together and collaborate on ideas um, or even just being together itself, just being able to to feel of the spirit, being able to lead together. Because as much as we're leaders, we still need each other to be able to to come up with ideas, to be able to know how to best serve the people that we are serving and in turn serve Christ. Right. And I think for me, I think that is definitely a key point. Just coming together, gathering, collaborating together.
1: Well, thank you for sharing that. That's, that's very insightful. And I can see that you want to share that with other people. Like you want people to feel included. You want YSAs to feel loved, to feel like they belong. And John mentioned that you've tried a different thing, a a, a few different things, Can you tell us more about what you've done? Like, what are those things that you have come up with to help those around you, those YSAs to feel more included? And what are some challenges that you've also encountered?
3: We started our callings on Institute Council with a challenge to innovate the Institute. Um, We have been able to see that there is need for growth And change just as there is in every aspect of life. We need to grow. So, our goal was to make this a better place. And whether that's at the Institute building here in Salt Lake City, Utah, or that's in our various classes that we attend, or any other aspect of our lives, we were given the challenge to identify how we can better support those around us, the students within our reach that could be attending these these institute classes with us or could be coming to more church activities? How can we support them? How can we make this a welcoming place where people will want to come and stay and bring their friends and feel peace and feel joy? So we started off this year calling by holding some focus groups with various people. Um, Some that are currently here at the Institute that are in our community. Some that have graduated, some that have left the church, some that are very active and we wanted to get a wide variety of perspectives and hear what they had to say about ways that we could improve the Institute, what things they would want to see and what things they thought others would want to see happen.
2: Um, and pretty much as, as a result of that, um, just like Mary was saying, the goal was to innovate the Institute, um, but not just the Institute, but... Itself, but just kind of curriculum as well, like classes. What goes into classes, or um, what what are we learning as young single adults? And I think as a result of that, there have been a lot of changes um, in classes and classroom settings and different things of that nature. Um, One of the examples is um, a recent mental health class that has just taken place, um, which we've seen a lot of success in, where a lot of young single adults have come especially now where mental health is something a lot more talked about a lot more prevalent especially for us as young single adults something important um and being able to see how the savior is involved in that because i think it's easy to have a mentality of church is church and mental health is something else or whatever it is right not just mental health, anything um but how to involve the savior how to involve the gospel in different things Or in your education as well, there's different, just as an example, there are things that are going on and happening as a result, especially of those focus groups that have happened earlier this year. All right. So talk to me more about the focus groups and like gathering all this
0: data, like talking to people and understanding where they're coming from, because that's a, that's a very radically different process than just kind of deciding something and going with it. But you decided to talk to people and understand. So tell me about the process. Tell me how you listened and tell me how that went.
3: Well, we have several leaders at the Institute that have various responsibilities, like being connected with those in the nearby stakes, being connected with those who have been attending Institute classes in the past. Basically, we've reached out to anyone who has offered us contact information, any touch points that we have had with them. We wanted to identify what that was like, what was their experience, and if they would be willing to help us understand how to make it better. So everyone on the council, how many people do we have on our council? 16 people. We, we divided up these focus groups I think we interviewed about 100 and we asked them about their experience, like I mentioned. And we had one person taking notes and one person asking questions. And before we held all these focus groups, we even had a full meeting just dedicated to how we can ask questions without leading the response to be what we want and how to take maybe some tough criticisms and not show emotion one way or the other if it was hurtful, but to take it and understand what that means and identify ways to make it better. And we, we saw a lot of patterns within the responses and I think it's made a huge difference in the things that we've decided to do this year on our council. After you received
1: those answers and you took action, um, do you feel like you're showing those people that they they have been heard?
2: Uh, one of the ways, kind of like something that I mentioned earlier is just implementing those things, um, uh, whether it's in the curriculum or... Um, structural things as well. There were some. Um, there was a lot of patterns and themes, like Mary said. Um, some of those things were about the building it- itself, um, and about what goes on in the building, and study rooms, or whether it's um, food at the institute or whatever it is, and just actually implementing those things and taking that that data. And um, a lot of the things obviously are going to take more time um, with classes or or building things as well, like structural things. But I think just starting small um, and taking taking that, I guess the way I kind of think about it is it's just faith, you know, it's like belief in action. So we take what we believe is going to improve and we act on it. So just starting small and then just building from there.
3: I think our council's attitude changed drastically by the fact that We became willing to hear any opinions and to listen, truly listen. I think that gave us a certain type of humility that has changed the attitude of the atmosphere within the building and outside of the building because we are wanting to learn and we are wanting to be better. This has become a place of belonging which was a huge pattern that we saw of what the what the focus group attendees were wanting they wanted to feel like they had a place where they truly belonged and by the fact that we asked those questions gave us the humility that we needed as leaders or faculty members in this church building to take a step back and recognize that we need to grow and we need to listen. But it also gave a voice and a purpose for people to pay attention to not just complaining about what things they don't like, but giving feedback to how things genuinely can be better.
0: So we've talked a lot about changes and uh, shift in mentality in in the general institute. How was it before, and how has it shifted like what was the shift in this?
2: um I think for me personally um before I was on the council or involved in the council or any of the changes um I mean, I still am a student here at the u n at the institute building, but I was less involved in the leadership role in the council um and for me it was it was great. I loved coming here, but it was more of just a place to come here to just get. An institute class done. That was pretty much it. Um, I met a couple people, but it wasn't really. I I, I guess talking about belonging. I guess I just kind of just came just to feel the Holy Ghost, come into a classroom, sit down, and see some other people, and that was kind of it. And I know that that's not the case for everybody, uh, but obviously with the focus on belonging and outreach, it for me it's changed a lot. Um, and now being on the council, just being able to see how there are different. Students and different young single adults here that are able to find that same thing that was here before the spirit, the classes. But there are so, there's just so much more. And kind of like going back to what I was saying, there are a lot of organizational changes and a lot of structural things that are happening, right? But I think in terms of belonging and outreach, um, along with those changes, it's just kind of brought a lot more it's brought people together just because it's, it is different. It feels different. Um, one of the things that we, we were working on are just different. We call them student organizations, just where we come together. It's kind of, I guess you can kind of think of it as like a club, right? Um, just where guys and, and well, young adults, you know, men and women come together and just hang out pretty much along with feeling the spirit. So I think, um, to the point that I'm making with belonging and outreach, that's one of the things that's that's tangible that's that's here that we've been able to see where a lot of people, at least for me personally, I've just seen so many people just gathering, being together, and just finding people that they belong with. And I've definitely, this year, being, this is only my second year here, but being here, I've definitely had made a lot more friends and made a lot more connections than when I first came. Um, mm-hmm. My first year here it was mostly just... In class on the university on campus where I would meet people hang out with people, you know, study whatever But now I'm doing that here. And so a lot of that has changed with all of these different things that are happening
3: I would say a huge change Was that we went from being in the right place at the right time going to a class and checking a box Um, to actually doing things and being Christ-like. If I could explain this with the parable of the Good Samaritan, it's so simple and easy to be in the right place at the right time. But it was only the Good Samaritan that actually did something about being in the right place at the right time. That is hugely significant That we aren't just attending classes, but we are doing something now. What I think is really exciting is that we have been, I'm not a part of this committee, but it's been so exciting just to hear about it. We have a committee on the council that's just dedicated to service, and they're actually coming up with curriculum to try to make this a service class. I think it is incredible that we aren't just talking about gospel doctrine, but we are living gospel-centered lives. That's been a huge shift here at the Institute, and it's been a huge shift in my testimony of the gospel. It's been a huge shift of the way that I live my life as a child of God, that I'm not just sitting here to listen to learn, to check a box. I'm here to be able to do more. And that's what we've been trying to do at the Institute. That's what we've been trying to do with the young adults around us is to take what we know and do something about it. And that's where that sense of belonging is really mastered is because instead of feeling imposter syndrome of sitting there and learning about what I should be doing, and what type of person I should be and what way I should think I'm doing those things like going out and actually serving the community that takes away that feeling of imposter syndrome because I'm doing it right there. I belong. And I think that's been a huge shift here at the Institute and a huge shift among the young adults in my circles that we're doing things. We're not just hearing about them or talking about them.
1: You know, I love that. I love that so much because I feel like this whole thing that we're talking about, strengthening YSAs, is about us leading and helping other people. Um, but we we still have our leaders, right? Our bishop, our stake president. Um, and I feel like part of us feeling that we are here and we are able to do things for ourselves and for our community is because they've, they've placed this trust in us. I'm, I'm interesting to know how um, those leaders or the the role that those leaders have played in all of these things that you've been doing. Have you felt um, trusted or have you felt supported by them? How How have you... Um, work together with those leaders?
2: For us, specifically on the council that we've been working on, obviously it's 16 young adults, um, but there are some older adults on there um, that kind of oversee what we're doing, um, just to make sure that it runs smoothly and and everything's going okay. And I mean, obviously we're still young single adults, so I guess sometimes they got to monitor us, but... It hasn't really felt like just they're over us. It, honestly, for me personally, it's felt like they're just kind of there as a backup help. And we're just kind of the ones that are counseling together. Just double check with them and then just move. Just go. Just do what we need to do. Um, and so when there are things that we do need counsel on, um, we can go to them. But a lot of the times it's just they're they're just kind of back us up and help us out a little bit, but, um, I feel like we've been taking a lot of charge in what we've been doing and what we've been innovating, I guess. And it's given me personally a lot more of an opportunity to, to feel that, um, that Christlike leadership, I guess, because obviously, I mean, it's in the name, right? We're young single adults, you know, we, we're still Adults. Sure, there might be like a 30-year age gap, right? But we're still able to to do things.
3: Big shout out to our advisors and the older, older married adults that have supported us. I think what has been so cool for me to see is that their biggest concern with us is not that we will fail because they know that, we will fail anyway because we're human beings but their biggest concern is that we have the resources we need i feel so trusted that's been a huge blessing we have incredible leaders i can't praise them enough they've been they've been our friends no and i i love that um because i've had that experience
1: too um, i i love that i've failed trusted by my leaders and that I can trust them too. And I'm wondering, why is that so important for you as as a leader, as a YSA leader, to feel trusted by them and to trust them too?
3: I think it goes back to agency, that we're able to use our agency because they will hand it to us. We, We really can't do much if they don't hand us the reins. And I think it was really daunting, but really exciting when they told us at the beginning of the year, we want you to fail fast because we are learning. And I thought that was so cool. They gave us the space to fail, but it really isn't failure because we're still going and we're still working on it. And the failures that we are going to face, if we truly think about it. What is the worst case scenario? The failure is that maybe we plan an activity that people don't attend. Well, that's okay. We can absolutely grow from this. Obviously, there are wide varieties of different failures that we could face here. But if we take into consideration the fact that our Heavenly Father has given us our agency and He trusts us and we are all above the age of accountability we want to be able to use our agency because that's what matters more than having exciting numbers about people that are attending an activity.
2: I think um, I think that trust is a huge principle in the gospel because, I mean, first of all, we trust our Heavenly Father and in turn, He trusts us, right? With so many things, so many responsibilities and, and different things. And it's obviously the gospel and the church are a little bit different, but we know that the church is run in a great organizational way. And I think that the trust that we've been given by our leaders kind of reflects that. Just like Mary said, hit it spot on with agency. We have the ability to to choose and to fail and to recover from that. And we have the ability to ask for help. And it's just kind of a big round of trust between them and between us and it kind of feels like we've been working on this together uh, rather than them just giving us assignments to do and work on things so that kind of has brought us together and made us feel like friends
0: what I'm hearing here is as like a conglomeration of everything that you said is it's changing from checking the box fulfilling of duty of I want to go to institute because I know that's the right thing to do, to really achieving a purpose of I want to be here because I'm making a difference and having ownership over what you see here. And that's such a big thing because it's what you just said with agency. And experiencing real agency, I guess, is the best way to put it because it's not necessarily the minor leagues, major leagues type of principle here. It's more about we are all part of the same church and we want to be an active part of this church and not just put away in the closet to be remembered at some later date, you know? And with all of this, how have you seen your usage of agency and leadership roles affect your own membership in the church? How has it affected your testimony?
3: I have way more joy. And there's a word that you kept saying that really just, I was listening to what you said, but I was also really just thinking about the word experience. And I think it's fascinating in this generation of way too much information always in front of our eyes that what really makes a difference for us. And I don't know if this is for our generation specifically because we have so much information in front of us and we sit maybe a lot more, at least a lot more than our pioneer ancestors did. Um, But I feel so much more. Like I, I have more emotion and more joy when I'm experiencing and I'm not just hearing. I've been able to sit my whole life through Sunday school lessons and I've loved them. I've had wonderful teachers in my life. But when I'm Doing things, that that is part of the mortal experience. There, there's that word again. So I feel purpose and I feel joy because that's God's plan. And it
2: works. I think that one of the biggest signs of love that our Heavenly Father has given us is what he's created for us and us having the ability to create and i think that being able to just use my agency like we were saying to to make things happen and to to just be able to collaborate together has kind of gone into different things and speaking specifically with my testimony just uh, it's it's given me more clarity as to how God is really preparing us to, to lead because that's kind of, whether it's in a small way um, or in a bigger way, whatever that entails, it's all leading of some sort, uh, eventually preparing us to become more like, more like him.
1: And are you seeing that with the people around you too? Are you noticing that other people are feeling the same way that you're feeling? I'm curious because you mentioned, Mary, um, earlier that uh, you love seeing how others are also leading and they're coming up with this service council and all of this. And we're seeing how YSAs are being part of bishoprics now. Um, do you feel like all of that is um, allowing other YSAs to feel what you're feeling?
3: Yes. I think it has been hugely significant that we are getting there. (laughs) I don't think we're there yet completely, but I think what has been super exciting to see is that as you have young adults become a counselor and a bishopric, your leaders those that you are looking to are your age. That means that all of these ideas of what you have for your future of being a leader, I'm a female, I I don't plan to be in the bishopric ever. However, I do plan to be a leader in some capacity. Maybe that's in the nursery, but one day I will be a leader. And I think as I have seen other young adults become leaders now, I'm realizing that I have a capacity to do that now. So that changes my attitude. Instead of looking toward the future, I am acting right now. So I think that will happen more and more. And it is happening more and more, but it definitely changes as we see our peers be our leaders and recognize that I'm not looking up to this person as I'm looking down 30 years down the road. I'm looking up to this person and I can emulate them right now. And I, I do that. We do that. Especially because those that are our age are just sometimes a little more relatable so it's really easy to emulate those leadership qualities.
2: I definitely agree with that. And something that was coming to mind, actually, while Mary was speaking, um, for those of us that have served missions, obviously, we know that there are um, leadership capacities um, while we're missionaries, and they're fulfilled by those that are our age, right? Whether it's 18 or whatever, around 18 to 25, I guess, right? But um, for me personally, with my leaders as a missionary, I was super comfortable with them. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they were with us. We were doing the exact same thing. And um, we were pretty much the same age, had very similar experiences. And I think a lot of that is kind of relatable to what's happening now in the church, for example, with bishoprics or um, different different positions that were usually fulfilled by older people, um, it does kind of give that feeling of commodity and and being able to be comfortable with with those people because we we are doing the same thing. We're we're young, we're single, and we're adults. You know, we're in school or we're working, whatever it is. Um, and so I think it's I think it's a great step.
3: I love John's thoughts, and they make me think. And I'm going to share this quote that had all the qualities to be a super cheesy quote on Instagram, but it said something like, if you think about the goals that you have for yourself in 10 years and you try to complete them in two weeks, there's no way you'll do it, but you will be so much closer to those goals than you would be if you waited 10 years. And it's kind of cheesy. It's kind of one of those reach for the stars type things. However, it has a lot of truth to it. And I think that says a lot about our experience as young adults. If we're imagining who we want to be in 10 years, but we wait 10 years to be that person, we're missing out on who we could be in two weeks. And in two weeks, we're not going to be the person that we want to be in 10 years. But again, we will be so much closer to that person. And I think when we're seeing young adults being the person that we thought we would be in 10 years, it really accelerates our progression in this life. And I want to be the best I can be. I just, I do. I'm not going to be great always, but I know that I can be better. And if I'm given that motivation, I'm going to be better.
0: So what I'm hearing right now is also kind of a shift from just come and see, come and see how we do it, to come and belong, come realize that you are also a part of this. And I really like what you both have said about, it's kind of allowing you to see yourselves in the future and see yourselves grow in a lot of different ways. And part of that growth just being, hey, I want to be a leader now. I want to see what it's like on the other side. I wanna help people and not just be helped. And I don't really wanna be a project, I want to help you know? And a lot of this, there's a large part of this that probably took a little bit of time to get used to. Right. Um, I'm sure it wasn't like you're called to this leadership position and you're like, I know exactly what I'm doing. You know, I, I'm ready right on day one. And I guess the question for you is how were those
2: challenges and how did you overcome them? Um, for me, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. I, I remember the first meeting that we had as a council, um, I had no idea what everybody was talking about. I'm not the best at it, but I dabble in acting. And so while we were sitting down, I had to bring all my acting skills out because I was just pretending to know everything. Like I had no idea what was going on at all. And so, but I mean, I guess that's part of the failure, you know, just I, I didn't know what was happening at all. and. Uh, I mean, we spoke about imposter syndrome a little bit earlier. Like that was probably one of the biggest times where I felt imposter syndrome because we're talking about innovating Institute worldwide and breaking down walls and building, I don't know, a whole bunch of things in here. And I I guess I just, I was just thinking like, why me? Like why right now? You know, but, um, I think that, I mean, it was just a growth process and it was just line upon line, precept upon precept to borrow from Nephi's words and, um, as we've been able to, again, come together, collaborate, do things together, we've been able to help each other. So now I'm not so lost in all the meetings that we have and um, being able to, to just have a better perspective on everything. It's, just, it's all just a, a growth, growth process. How
0: has your relationship with these older members changed also as you have gotten these leadership positions?
3: So one of the leaders that we have, one of our advisors – I love her with all my heart. Sister Weston. She was one of my seminary teachers through high school. I love her. Um, I remember many of my friends did not like her in high school because she made us put our phones away. And I liked it personally. I'm one of those. that I enjoyed it. It worked well for me. And it's been really fun for me to kind of grow up with Sister Weston in my life and now she's she's one of our advisors on institute council and that's been so fun for me. I like to think that I am a very calm, level-headed person, but there are moments that I have when I really don't agree with something. I remember we were having a conversation about how we can get better numbers at the institute and it wasn't sitting well with me. I was very new on the council. And I was really frustrated that we kept talking about numbers and we weren't talking about people. We weren't talking about belonging. Oh, and I really let that get to me. And I was super frustrated with one of our other advisors because I felt that he wasn't understanding my perspective. I want to clarify right now before you get to thinking that this advisor was not great. He is. But we hadn't taken the time to understand each other. He absolutely understood the value of people. For this specific conversation, it was important that we talked about numbers. There needs to be a certain balance. But I had to go through a long period of prayer (laughs) that I could soften my heart and recognize that we are on the same team. I had to really take the time to get to know him so that he could get to know me and then we could understand each other. I don't even know if he knows any of this. He probably could see my facial expressions and and notice that I was pretty frustrated, but I've since experienced a huge change of heart as I have allowed him to get to know me and I have taken the time to get to know him and Now I think he's pretty cool. (laughs) Um, I don't spend a lot of time with him, but I have a lot of respect for him. And he has shown so much respect for me. And that was a huge challenge for me, feeling like maybe I didn't even deserve this calling, that I couldn't see the way that he saw.
2: I think uh, for me... Kind of like I was mentioning earlier, um, or I guess we were talking about earlier, how a lot of these older leaders have really become our friends. I've definitely seen that for me specifically. I mean, we've already been talking about Sister Weston. So um, I go to her all the time just for advice on things. And um, me and me and somebody else, we we call her Mama Weston, actually. So um, it's just it just feels like, I mean, just another friend. You know, there's an age gap. But. Um, It just feels like we can just talk about things because they've been there and we're going there, you know, Um, and also with uh, the other advisor that we have um, talking to him as well. And just I don't really see them as institute teachers or advisors anymore. It's just kind of like we're just doing this together. We're we're trying to work on one goal um, just as as friends, as people.
3: I think it's also been really cool to have institute teachers, <laughs> but older older adult leaders being there as a support, not to take over or influence what we're going to do, but they will be the continuity as as our time at the school ends they're going to stay in that position and support the next groups and give them ideas of how we can keep growing. It's been really cool that they've been our cheerleaders. They really are so supportive and they're there to offer the resources.
1: Um, I love that you've had those experiences with the leaders and, um, we want to help other leaders to be able to be that person for the YSAs. And I'm wondering what would be a word of advice for those older leaders? What would you tell them that they could do or or say to their YSAs so that they can build these great relationships that you've been able to build with your leaders?
3: I think sincerity is huge. What makes a huge difference, difference in my relationships with older adults is when I can see that they are sincere. So be sincere in the way that you see things.
2: I think for me, um, I think people all over, but I think now, especially with young single adults, I think there's just a need to be listened to. Um, uh, Just being open to listen to Whether it's new ideas, whether it's feelings, whatever it is, just being able to listen. And I think that's what's made a really big difference with my relationship with my adult leaders, is although there are huge differences um, between when we grew up or where we grew up or whatever it is, just being able to be listened to, not just heard, but um, being able to be taken seriously and just, just, being supportive, you know, but I think it all comes back to to listening because that's what I think for me has helped me feel loved, feel appreciated and and respected too.
0: So to conclude, do you have any final messages or encouragement that you can offer leaders who are trying to help YSAs in their own wards and stakes?
3: You are here for a reason. I firmly believe that. And That's true for the young adults. That's true for the older adults. God has placed us here together. I know that that's true. And I've seen that there are so many blessings of joy because of it. As you pray and as you seek personal revelation and as you seek to get to know those around you, truly know them and love them, things will come naturally naturally. Because there is a reason and God wants you to know that reason.
2: I would hundred percent agree with what Mary said. Old married adults, young single adults, whatever it is, we're as much needed as ever now to work together. That would be my message, I guess. We're needed in the gospel, we need in the church together. We need to have that collaboration and to have that spirit and or feel the spirit together to be able to help those that are around us.